Thank you for joining us for this week's sermon podcast from the First United Methodist Church of Parable. Let us pray. Holy and loving God, it is so good to be in this place. God, we know that your Holy Spirit is moving in and among us this morning. And we ask that as we turn our attention towards your scriptures, that you would write on our hearts what you would have us here today. It's in Christ's holy name we pray. Amen. Our scripture lesson this morning comes from the gospel according to John, chapter 13, verses 31 through 35. I invite you to read alongside in your program or also on the screen as we read together. When he had gone out, Jesus said, Now the Son of Man has been glorified, and God has been glorified in him. If God has been glorified in him, God will also glorify him in himself and will glorify him at once. Little children, I am with you only a little longer. You will look for me, and as I said to the Jews, so now I say to you, where I am going, you cannot come. I give you a new commandment, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also should love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. Let us pray. Holy and loving God, we thank you for these scriptures written so long ago. We thank you for your spirit that is in this place, moving in and among us. Write on our hearts what you would have us here today, God. Lord, if anything I say is untrue, may it fall away from the ear, never to be remembered. But if what is said is true this morning, print it on our hearts so that we may love you more and love others as you have loved us. In Christ's holy name, amen. Over the years, I've come to realize that our grandparents have a wealth of wisdom. And I hope that most of us know that to be true, that our grandparents have a wealth of wisdom. My grandparents kept a pretty decent schedule that was always the same. They would do all of their errands. They would go to town. They would go to the doctor. They would make their phone calls. They'd go to the senior citizens and play bingo before the afternoon. That way they could get home before the heat of the summer hit. And they could relax all day, which one, that in and of itself is wise. Especially the past couple of days, it's been so hot that it would melt your manners, if you know what I mean. But they would get home and they would relax, meaning they would change clothes, put on their slippers, get into a comfortable chair, read a book, and take off their hearing aids. And so one summer, in the heat of the afternoon, I went by and visited with Meemaw and Paul. And I walked in their house, and it was a small shotgun house. And so as you stood there on the porch and you walked in the door, you were already in the living room. And from the living room, you could see the, the dining room that could see the kitchen. It was all open with a few bedrooms on the side. And Meemaw was in her chair reading her stories, and Grandpa was doing dishes, putting up whatever they were cleaning up from what they had for lunch or what they called dinner. And I sat with Meemaw, and we were talking for a little bit, and just about the world, about life, getting a little bit of that grandparent wisdom in. And then Grandpa, as he was putting up the dishes, shut one of the doors a little bit too hard, and it made a loud bang. And Grandma stopped mid-sentence, and she looked at me a little bit confused. Then she looked back to the kitchen, and she said, What did you say? And to which Grandpa responded, Do what? And this began a whole conversation. 
I said, what did you say? Grandpa responded, Melva, the TV's too loud, I can't hear you. I don't actually think the TV was on. I was laughing so hard, and I just, Mima looked at me, and she said, what? I said, Mima, he didn't say anything, he just shut a door too hard. And she started laughing, I started laughing, and Grandpa made his way up to the living room and looked at both of us, looked at Grandma and said, what did you say? And with all the seriousness that she could muster, she looked him dead in the eye, and she said, I said, quit slamming doors. <laughs> and he apologized. And went back to work in the kitchen, and Grandma and I started laughing. And I said, so the key to a long-lasting relationship is communication, right? And she laughed, she said, and laughter. Communication and laughter. We've asked this question throughout generations. How do we foster and grow relation with other people? We're not the only ones that have asked this question. Professionals have asked this question on a, on a deeper scale. Because we're so uh, unique, we're individually created, we have different personalities, different quirks, how do we love other people? How do we develop relationships with other people? So there's a number of surveys that you can go to online and fill out, and it tells you what kind of personality you are and how you interact with other people. And you might have come across this in the professional field or in school, but just to name a few, uh, you have the Myers-Briggs, which puts you in a category. I think there's like 12 or so different categories of one-letter words that have a component of your personality. It's pretty deep. So you do the test, and it says you're uh, uh, INFJ, and that means you're introvert, you, you feel, and, and this is how you react to certain situations and how you communicate with others, how you develop relationships, right? There's another one called the Enneagram. So if you ever heard of anybody saying, I'm a three-wing four, that means that's their personality type. That's how they receive information. That's how they communicate and develop relationships with other people. Even in the 90s, in certain circles, there was a book that was written that many of you probably have heard of or, or have read yourselves, and it's the five love languages, right? What is your love language? Are, are you one who give gifts? Are you one who uh, loves to offer words of affirmation? And these are just ways to understand the personalities of individuals, the characteristics that we have as individuals, and how we communicate, how we develop, how we build relationships with other people. What's interesting about this is once you get your category, if you, if you are a gift giver in the aspect of love, or if you're a three-wing four, you're, you're an INFJ, whatever the characteristic may be, that becomes your box, that becomes your station, that becomes your personality, that becomes your banner of who you are, how you communicate, and how you develop relationships with other people. Jesus said, I give you a new commandment. That you love one another just as I have loved you. I give you a new commandment. That you love one another just as I have loved you. Now the disciples have been following Jesus for some time. But they were good practicing Jews. They have been to temple. They've been to worship. They have heard the stories of the ancient text, our Old Testament. And throughout the ancient text in our Old Testament, you have this word, love. It's scattered throughout the scriptures. In fact, in Leviticus, it said you should love the Lord your God. Later on, it says you should love one another. So this notion of loving others isn't new to the disciples. But rather, Jesus offers them a new mode of loving. This is how you should love. You should love others as I have loved you. 
So this morning, I want us to consider this question. How did Jesus love the disciples? How did Jesus love the disciples? Jesus loved the disciples selflessly. Jesus loved the disciples selflessly. In all of our good intentions as human beings, anytime that we love one another, there is a little bit of self in that decision to love. There's a little bit of self in the decision to engage in love or relationship with one another. We ask the question, maybe subconsciously, what's in this for me? How can I benefit from this relationship? What kind of challenges might this relationship bring for me? But Jesus loved in a selfless way. In fact, right before Jesus gives them this new commandment, Jesus washed the disciples' feet. It's probably one of my favorite stories in the gospel. Jesus washing the disciples' feet. That in and of itself was a story that's symbolic. It's a story that was proclamatic. And it's a story that was necessary to happen. The symbolism is just beautiful. Jesus, in washing the disciples' feet, takes off his outer garment. Jesus removes his position as rabuni, as teacher, as leader, and puts on the role of a servant. We think on a larger scale, God, God's self, becomes a servant. And then does what? He washes the disciples' feet. God, God's self, washes the filth off of those who he loved. And then what does he do? He picks back his garment and puts it back on, representing Christ rising from the dead. What a beautiful, symbolic picture. But most importantly, we see Christ's selflessness act in washing the disciples' feet. For Jesus loved the disciples selflessly. Jesus loved the disciples sacrificially. Jesus loved the disciples with all that he had. So the reality of the symbolism story of washing the feet came true in the next moments, in the next days that were ahead of that moment where Jesus would allow himself to be arrested, to be beaten, to be persecuted, and to be led to the cross. All out of love for those whom he loved. Jesus loved the disciples sacrificially. Trooper Tamar from the Massachusetts State Police. She has a beautiful story. All of her life, she wanted to be a state trooper. And it took some time. It took a lot of extra training. She had some hurdles to come over. She worked a couple of different jobs. But finally, when she turned 30, she was able to go to academy. And she worked hard, graduated at the top of her class. Her parents said when she graduated, she just beamed. Because finally, she got to do as a profession what she always wanted to do to serve her community, to serve those who she loved. In March of this year, she was on a night watch. And in doing so, she was driving down the highway and she saw that one of her local people, one that she loved, was in distress and pulled over on the other side of the highway. And as she made her way to the car, an accident happened and it cost her her life. In response during the funeral, her parents said, it is a sad day for us. But we know our daughter did something that she loved doing. She loved others. She gave up her life in loving others. She knew that the cost for love was sacrificial. Christ knew that the cost for love 
was sacrificial. I think sometimes we think about love and we think about all the warmy, fuzzy feelings and how good it's going to be. And perhaps in the end, yes, love is a wonderful thing, but love sometimes comes at a cost. Jesus loved the disciples sacrificially. Jesus loved the disciples understandingly. In a couple of weeks, uh, a few of my biker friends and I, motorcycle friends and I, are going to go and take a long trip. We're going to Eureka Springs. It's about a five-hour ride from here. And we were communicating and thinking about making logistics. How are we going to do this ride? What time are we going to leave? What time do we want to get there? Depending on the weather, etc. And we decided that we wanted to make it to Eureka Springs after the lunch hour so we can get there and not have to worry about the crowd. And so they said, Chase, what time do you think we should leave Paragon? I said, five hours, get there after the lunch hours. Let's leave at 5 a.m. If you're paying attention and you're doing the math, that's a long time, right? That's not a five-hour ride. That'll get us there about brunch. And some of my biker friends were thinking about that, and they said, Chase, that doesn't add up. That's only a five-hour ride. We get there at brunch time, not way after, you know, way after uh, lunchtime begins or ends. And one of my friends in the back started laughing, and he said, he wants to leave early because he wants to go get one of them chicken fried steaks from Ima Joe's at, uh, at the breakfast place in Mountain Home. I was like, yeah, yeah, I do. They did, I didn't say it, but I wanted to leave, get a little extra time to have breakfast. See, bikers love to eat. It's a great breakfast place. But my friend out of the whole crowd understood me, knew me, knew what I was thinking. And we all have people like that in our lives, right? People who we go into a conversation with folks and they can just look at us and be like, oh, don't say that. Don't say it. Just say what? Well, you know what you're about to say, right? We have those people, those people that know us intimately, our folks. Jesus had people. It was the disciples. He lived with the disciples, traveled with the disciples. He knew the disciples, knew the best part of them, knew the worst part of them. Still loved him. Still loved him. And he loved him forgivingly. He sat and broke bread with one who would betray him. Jesus sat and broke bread and gave this commandment to the disciples who would scatter when he was arrested. Jesus sat with Peter. Peter goes on after Jesus gives this commandment and says, you can't come with me. Peter says, oh, I'm going with you. I'm your best friend. I'm going to follow you everywhere. It's like, Peter, you can't go where I'm going. Peter says, why not? It's a little argumentative. And Jesus says, you can't go. And Peter says, I'm going to follow you wherever I would die for you. We know how the story goes. So did Jesus. So in the next couple of words in that scripture, you can kind of hear a warm, sad smile in Jesus' words. Peter, you won't follow me. You will deny me. I love this phrase that N.T. writes uh, about, during, about this correspondence between Peter and Jesus. He writes, we love Peter because he's so like the rest of us. And we love Jesus because he is so gentle with him, so loving. Even within the sadness and the challenge and the glory that is to come. And once again, we pause and reflect on how in the strange purpose of God, love and betrayal, glory and denial go so closely Together, Jesus loved the disciples forgivingly. I think we can think about this in the same way today. We could have our different personality traits. We could have our different categories, those banners that say who we are and how we love. But Jesus is also telling us today, I give you a new commandment. 
that you love one another as I have loved you. Love one another as I have loved you. And we can look back on our own lives and think that, yeah, Jesus, you loved us selflessly. You came to the earth and lived among humankind. Jesus, that you loved us sacrificially, that you did all that you could do, that you loved us so much that you went to the cross for us. Jesus, you love us understandingly. Jesus knows the very depths of our own hearts. Every secret that we have is not a secret to God, but yet God still loves us, and Jesus loves us forgivenly. And we know this because of two beautiful words that he said while he was on the cross. Forgive them. Forgive them. That forgiveness was not for the Roman guards that put him on the cross. That forgiveness was not just for Pilate or for Herod or for the disciples that scattered. That forgiveness was for all of creation for us here today. Forgive them. And this is how we should love one another. We should love one another selflessly, sacrificially, understandingly know someone from all their all their best parts about them the worst parts about them and love them forgivenly and when we do this this becomes a new banner this becomes a new banner of who we are that we follow jesus and we love others like jesus loved us and from that banner people come to know christ's love and that is a relationship that's not just for today it's for tomorrow for the days to come, and for all eternity. So our challenge as we leave this place, love others as Jesus had loved you. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let us pray. Yes, God, it can be challenging to think and move outside of our box, of our personalities, of our individual quirks, of our habits, of how we develop relationships, of how we love others. But we know by the power of your Holy Spirit that you are beyond borders and boundaries and barriers, that you create and make us a new creation in you, that you give us a new banner of love. So as we think about these things here today and the days to come, continue to work on our hearts, transform our hearts, transform our lives to love others as you have loved us. In Christ's holy name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening. You can find out more about First United Methodist Church by going to our website at www.fumcparacle.org. May God bless you this week.